Morning, everybody. Ken, how's it going? It's going well, you? I'm hanging in there, dude, knocking the rust off from the weekend. It's uh, September 20th, Wednesday, noon my time, 9 a.m. your time. Running late again this week. That seems to be our M.O. Yeah, but we're doing it. Yeah, that's so I was inside and my wife was like, you know, I just woken up from a nap, you know, a mid-morning mid nap. And uh, she's like, you're all right. I'm like, yeah, I got to go record the podcast. And she's like, you don't have to, you know, you don't got to do it every week. I'm like, nah, we're on a schedule. We got to keep to it. Even when we're running a little bit behind, we'll get it done yeah. every week. But uh, yes. same thing, even if it's a short episode, I want to at least do something, especially having after having such an exciting weekend. All That's right. kind of where I was at is like, I came off of it. Like I hopped on the treadmill this morning, did my stretching and stuff. And I was like mentally preparing for the episode. And I was like, I want to definitely have one before like the high of the weekend wears off. You know what I mean? Like I want mm -hmm. to uh, definitely be able to like fully appreciate and share how the weekend went um, before, you know, we get back into the normal grind that kind of sucks our souls out of us. But uh, yeah, speaking of the weekend, man, you guys made it home safe. I take it obviously. Yeah. Yeah, no we hiccups. got home. No, everything was good, dude. Traveling was so chill. Um, like we had talked about, I was worried about the bags and I was worried about all my stuff and everything. Like I brought that, um, I brought the Pelican case with the sharpener in it, but I just carried it on. They asked me at TSA, like they ran it through the machine three or four times. They're like, what the hell is this thing? They were just curious, really. But I was worried about it and like, fuck that, you know, because the clamps are sharp and stuff in there. And, uh, but that was no issue. And then uh, cheat code, like we talked about, dude flying this is the best way to fly with literally anything of any value put a firearm in your bag put a bb gun put a flare gun literally anything in your bag and tsa like you go up to the gate and uh i said yeah, yeah i need a declaration and they're like are you flying with firearm yes and they're like all right we just need to verify that it's unloaded so i just opened the case and i didn't put it in a small case i put it in a soft pouch um, in my Pelican case with all the knives and all the slingshots and everything. And you just basically show them, Hey, the mag's empty. Um, it's clear and that's it. And they put a tag on there. You sign the tag and, uh, it says, this isn't, there's an unloaded firearm in this case. And it just goes right on top inside the case. And then you put your own locks on it. Um, non TSA locks, like they can't unlock it or anything. Uh, so you just throw your locks on it and they take it and that was it. And, uh, when you get to your destination, and I threw air tags and stuff in the bag too, but when you get your to your destination, you just go instead of it coming down the the chain and around the carousel, it goes to an office, and you literally go in the office, you show them your ID, and they hand you your bag. So you don't have to wait for the carousel. It's literally like the first bag out, and uh, and it was super chill, no questions asked, nothing. How much so did it cost? It was thirty bags. Or it was thirty bucks just to check the bag because I didn't have it included with my flight, but. I'm going to, I'm going to pay to check a bag anyways, you know, carry right. all the knives. So it was, it, there was no additional cost for bringing a firearm on. And did it you actually, everything. did you bring any ammo with you? Just like, I, I normally would, well, I wanted to, but I didn't because I don't have a factory box. All my stuff okay. is in mags. So it has to be in like the cardboard box with the, you know, with the, uh, the tray in it and everything. Interesting. Uh, it has to be like an enclosed box, ideally, uh, like a retail packaging for ammo. So, right. Uh, yeah. I didn't even bring any, like I literally just brought that so I can throw the locks on and it worked out. Nice. Awesome. Highly recommend yeah, I feel anybody like... flying with anything, you camera gear, anything. Yeah. Shit. That light. No, that's a no brainer, man. I, I've never thought to do that. I've heard of it in the past, but I mean, even so like when you're in a new city, like 
Exactly. As long yeah. as your concealed carry permit like translates to that state, mm-hmm. like you probably want to carry anyway. So, you know, two birds with one stone. And yeah, I, I actually do know <clears throat> they are pretty picky about that non-TSA lock thing because like when Carver and I were flying home from Portland, he had TSA locks on his um, pouch and they were almost not going to let him fly because they were only TSA. And I happened to have a non-TSA lock from when I checked my non-firearm bag on the way out and they wouldn't let me use a non-TSA lock. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take it off and then they zip tied it closed so that it, the case wouldn't pop open. I was freaking out about that. Um, so I happened to have a non-TSA lock that he was able to use. Um, nice. But yeah, so we got lucky there. But yeah, that's that seems to be the, be the way to go. I'm, I'm assuming all airlines are probably pretty similar with their policies. I'm sure it's like a federal policy with regard to flying with a firearm so that's definitely a good hack good call yeah it's on the it's on the tsa website too all the regulations are all on there um nice. yeah tsa locks are pointless because they're they're all locked the same they're all keyed the same right so you just go buy anybody a TSA can lock get in. and you can unlock anybody's locks stupid uh wow. the zip ties are good yeah when i flew with the uh, yamazen a lot i would actually tape a bunch of zip ties to the outside like hey please please zip tie these things closed you know and uh you know, that once makes you're done, sense. Yeah. done inspecting your Pelican case was dope. I need to get a hold of one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm using like a handheld one that doesn't have wheels. And like, I'd love to get one of those Pelican airs and just get like a custom Nalpak insert that has like a firearm slot that has, um, you know, maybe a watch or two slot, like some knife slots and then like a bigger compartment or something just for organizational sake on trips. Like that seems like it would be a no brainer. Your setup was really sweet. Thanks. Yeah, that would be cool. I never thought about doing it like that. Like just dedicate this for doing like knife show travel or whatever. I mean, honestly, now these days with, you know, this year I've done, I'll do like five shows and like, it seems like it makes sense to, uh, to have something like that dedicated. And honestly, cause your now pack insert can come in and out. So it's like, you have your now pack insert if it's for a show and mm-hmm. if you're going to use it for something else, just pop the insert out and you can just use it as normal. And like, it's not a big deal, but you know, I'm yeah. like, my case has some slots, but I'm cramming stuff in places. It doesn't fit. And like, It'd be sweet if it was just dedicated. And Andy is so good about pretty much doing anything you want that, like, you know, you could just hit him up with the specs and I'm sure he could buzz it all in there. Nice. That's a good call. I never thought about that. I just used, I basically used all my slingshots as like the filler in there because I brought what, 45 <laughs> nice. or 55 just of them or whatever. Just stand them up so. all around and like constrain all your stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So nice, man. Yeah. The show went well, though, dude, man. You killed it for sure. I appreciate that. What was like your, you know, we talked briefly about what your takeaways were from the show, but like as a whole, the experience in general, like, was there any part of it that you enjoyed more than anything else? Or did you just find the whole thing to be cool? Or like, where did you land on it all? Overall, it was pretty cool. There's a helicopter flying by right now. Just wait a second. Probably going to mute my voice a bit. Sound like I'm underwater. We got a lot of like big military helicopters and stuff that fly up the freeway right here. So um, I believe it. You sound good to me. Yeah, yeah cool. So yeah, the show overall takeaways, um, like we talked about, really, uh, I was really nervous going into the show, bringing the knives because I literally finished them like 2 a.m. What Friday night, and we left at 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Like our flight was at 6:45, so I was out of the house by like 4:30. Two hours of sleep and just nervous, like shit. Did I do enough? Were they good enough? Um, and 
everybody that handled them, I mean, there were some little things like the lock bars are real stiff, but overall, um, my biggest takeaway was really just like gaining that confidence in my work and knowing that the people out there are like stoked on it. Uh, so that was a huge relief for me because I feel like I'm super picky about stuff. Um, and I think the things that I'm like conscious about are justified. It's stuff that I want to revise and it's stuff that I know I can revise and I know how to do it. So, uh, moving forward, I'm just going to do that. But, uh, Overall, like it was cool. Like the show was cool. Just meeting people, meeting all the people that I talked to on Instagram and Facebook before the show and uh, people just coming up and actually introducing themselves. Um, that was real nice. And then uh, seeing you again and hanging out with everybody and having, hanging out with Alex and uh, overall, it was just a really cool experience. So the vibe was really good and good energy. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, I think you, you nailed it. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting because you're experiencing, I know you went to one other show years ago, but like more or less you're experiencing like a knife show as a attendee and you're experiencing a knife show as a vendor for the first time, you know? And so I could see how that would be just a little bit intimidating because there, I mean, it, honestly at this one, there was a lot of people, you know, like that was certainly um, a great turnout that I did not. I mean, I, I underestimated, you know, how many people would be there. You know, you think, you know, what like five or 600 people looks like, but then when you actually see them and you see them in a confined space, you're like, holy crap, this feels like a lot more people. But, um, yeah, even, uh, you know, they, they really just did it all. Indy was a cool city, you know, it wasn't overly busy, but they had good food. They had, you know, like it was active. Uh, the weather was great. The hotel, I thought that they chose, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't, like that felt like a four star hotel. Like it was like nice, you know? And then when you walk in and they have the signage for the show and he had the, the meet and greet, you know, whatever the evening before, which I got to be honest, that was a little bit um, weird for me at first we walked in and it was like, there was just like a room off to the side and I didn't really know anybody. Thankfully Alex was there. So we were able to like shoot the shit a little bit and grease the wheels. Um, and then we hit the lobby and it was good to see familiar faces like uh, my buddy, Steve and, Dan Daniel I call him seems like all these guys like his name is he goes by Daniel and I'm like I'm gonna call him Danny here you know what I mean I for some reason I just like have this need to like give people nicknames but uh Dan was there Daniel was there and um you know you start to see some collectors that you know and other makers um and then like things start to loosen up a little bit we went and got a nice dinner it was good just to have like the beginning of the show just to see you and Joe and just to catch up you know, because it had been four years, I think, since I saw you guys in person. Um, but I still talk to you so regularly that it was nice to kind of like put, hit pause on the show crowd for a, a couple hours and just go like catch up and cut it up a little bit and just like, you know, just be happy that you guys were there. And then, uh, you know, we both kind of crashed. Like you guys crashed and I, I had to drive a half hour back to Logan's. Um, and I then woke up the next day, you're like ready for the show, excited. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. You know, we checked out your knives, you were stoked, you know, my stuff kind of fell into place and like, I just woke up feeling energized for the show. Um, yeah, then we swung by and got you, picked you guys up. The show was close, you know, it was literally like a mile down the road, which was like, just, it was nice. No traffic, no bullshit. Like just got down there. Parking was great. You know, like I think all these other shows, like I think of Atlanta, you're parking across the road and having to walk across catwalk, you know, it was just like you know, this was just real, it was just convenient was the word that like stuck with me over the course of the weekend, you know? 
everything was very convenient uh and everything was really clean like you said the city was really nice it was a beautiful city um all the architecture like buildings were real nice there was a little bit of construction in downtown but overall nothing nothing that kind of ruined the experience uh, one thing that like joe and i really noticed because we ended up walking about 10 miles on monday we straight just walked the city for hours because uh, our flight was at like 6 15 or whatever monday evening um so we got up in the morning, we walked, found some spot to get some breakfast, and then we just walked around for hours. The city is very clean. There was not, I mean, where we're at, there's tents everywhere. Literally every single every single street, there's tents tucked wherever they can fit um, in, you know, Orange County, LA. Basically all of California is just tent city. Uh, I didn't see one single tent in the whole entire city in all the little back streets and alleys and stuff that we walked down. Um, there was a couple people kind of hanging around, but nobody that was like aggressive or loud or really, we didn't, we weren't worried about anything walking around there. Uh, it smelled nice. There was literally like one tiny little street that we walked by where we smelled a little bit and it was like where all the bars were. Um, but overall, just a beautiful city. The weather was great. The sky looked awesome. Um, and uh, there's a little canal that you can walk that looks like it's a few miles at least for at least what we walked. Um, there's paddle boats and there's ducks and geese and all kinds of stuff everywhere and really, really nice. So, uh, that was a cool city. I like, I could totally see myself just living out there and being totally content. Not that I want to move, you know, but I mean, I do, but everybody in not, California wants to move, I think. Yeah. But I mean, it would be a chill, just super chill city. It seemed like, like, especially like right in downtown. So it was yeah. Cool. Wait really till the winter it. sets. The winter sets in, and then you realize how much you. No, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, there definitely, definitely were not yeah. not a lot of homeless people. That's for sure. I noticed that, and I mean, we're in in Erie. I mean, we don't have any of that really. It gets so too cold it's like in the a, winter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll kill them off, you know. But um, you guys have that year round climate for those outdoor folks. But um, yeah, yeah. I was I was kind of taken aback too by like the level of professionalism, right? Like it was like a gated entrance into the into the show and we were met by like a concierge from Oz, you know, and they took mm -hmm. us like through the up the, through the elevator and like to the room was really, yeah, I was like, yeah, dude, it was, I mean, it was cool. You know, it was, uh, they, you felt like they really were like rolling out the red carpet for you as a maker. You know what I mean? Like I just was very impressed with like, with this being their first time promoting a show, um, for them to take the level of care, you know, and, and I was talking with Jenna afterwards, Daniel's wife, and like, they literally, their the the cost of the tickets literally covered the cost of the venue. So all the extra stuff that they did came out of their pocket. Like, and they didn't re they they didn't recoup any of that. Like in no way, shape, or form did they recoup any of that. You know, like all yeah. the the snacks and the food and stuff at the after party and like, you know, the promotional material and like the badges, all that stuff. You know, like that was just like touches that they felt like the show needed, um, which I thought was just was really cool. Um, I really like the layout. Um, it was like simple, but like, I liked the two pods in front with like the tables around the outside. It really kept people like kind of flowing through the place. Um, as opposed to like log jamming, which you see sometimes it shows, um, you know, the natural light was great. We were lucky because our tables are right against windows, but you know, a lot of times you get into these shows and it can get kind of dank and the light can be pretty unforgiving of your work, you know? And so to have light kind of behind us and like having the room fill with that, like really kind of like let the knives kind of present themselves like how I think that they should, which is always a nice thing. It's not necessary, but it certainly is nice. 
Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, as soon as those doors opened, man, like that was just a stampede, you know, it was just, it was wild. I'll let you kind of expound on that experience from your perspective. Yeah. I think I had a little bit more time than you probably to just watch what was going on because I had maybe five minutes or so before anybody really came to my table. Um, sure. Yeah. Cause the doors opened at one, like when we got there, like you said, you know, the parking was right there, but we had to walk under the bridge to get there. And it was, it was a wild feeling like walking with a bag and walking with a case, knowing that I have all this stuff in here that somebody might buy. I have no, you know, not knowing what I'm really walking into. Cause it was the first time we went to the venue too. Um, and walking past literally hundreds of people that were waiting and camping on the sidewalk there. From yep. what I heard, uh, the first person there was like, they got there before midnight. Wow. So they were so waiting outside. Plus. They were waiting for 13 hours before they, they could even get in. Well, I mean, they got in the venue a little bit earlier than that, but, um, yeah, they were essentially waiting for 13 hours before the actual doors opened to the second floor where we were. Um, so yeah, I was basically sitting there because my table was on the corner on the inside little loop. Um, and then because Matt wasn't there, you know, I stole his table next to you, which was awesome. Oh yeah. I was actually like, it sucked because I would have loved to see his stuff and it would have been cool, but he, I'm glad he came. It was really good to finally meet him in person. I've known him for like 10 plus years. Yeah. Um, just, or whatever he, you know, said just from Instagram. And, uh, that's how I met Dave Curtis was from him when he used to work there. And, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, it was this, the spot where I was at basically was right in the middle. It was pretty much the center of the room on the back wall and directly in front of me was the doors and one o'clock hit. Like it was just super calm. Cause we had mingled for a couple hours before that, um, met everybody and kind of did, did a little bit of training and stuff. And, uh, so the doors opened and it was just there was like three main lines that I really noticed of guys just sprinting to tables, like just pushing past whoever they could to get to the table that they wanted. And I'm just yep. watching everybody just run, you know, every direction, but mine, which was fine. I, I wasn't expecting people to be in line for my stuff right away. And, uh, so seeing the flood of people come in, especially after like the final 10 minutes of everybody, just like, all right, I'm going to chill for a minute because this is going to get absolutely crazy. Um, and then seeing everybody just sprinting to tables and like big bags, just ready to get full of stuff. And it was like, it reminded me of like kids just running into a candy store with like an empty bag. Yep. Like I'm going to fill this shit with whatever I can, you know? Yep. And uh, so it was just the energy that flew through that door when that happened. Like, I think all of us were kind of feeling the same thing. I would imagine just like, fuck dude, how's this going to go down? You know, just kind of yep. some nerves and everything. And then, um, and then once the first person came to my table, it was like, there was maybe five minutes or so of just kind of calm for me. And then the first person came to the table and then boom, and line formed. I think as soon as one, it's like, you know, you do those like uh, social experiments, you stand at a door, like just some random door and people just start lining up, you know, like, what are we waiting for? Yep. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. And it was, uh, it, you know, and there might not even be anything in there, but uh, so as soon as one person came, it was Steven uh, Farnfield. And uh, he was the first person at my table. And he's like, I'm taking one of everything. And uh, so we got, he got a uh, datum, he got a slingshot and he got, I brought a couple of the 1911 tools, which I found out uh, right after or I, I noticed um, he's got 1911s and 2011s. Like that's one of his things he's into, you know, yeah, so it worked out really passionate good. Collector. Yeah. And I only brought two of those. It was the only ones that I had. Um, helicopters back. Be all right. I'm sure Riverside will take care of it. Wow. 
so yeah he uh he ended up getting one of everything and some patches and stuff and i was like holy shit dude that and that was the biggest uh that was the biggest purchase of the show for me um was from him but as he was at the table another dude was at the table and there was a couple people in in back where they're like fuck i hope nobody gets one because i want one because yep. i only had a few left or i only out of the 10 that i brought i only sold five because that was already right. finished before the show um but i brought because I, I i had this one that we were looking at you know the night before that's got uh, that little gremlin in the pivot so i'm like i just pulled that one and i didn't have it on the table um and then i held one back that i had sold uh, to uh just to show people um so anyways, yeah, it was it was from the first from the time the first person stepped to my table until the knives were gone was about five minutes. So <laughs> it was it was nice, really man. crazy, dude. I was expecting just kind of a slow burn throughout the show, someone here and there. And uh, that little crowd was just pushing their way through. Like I didn't really I, it was hard for me to pay attention who was next. So I was really just kind of relying on these guys to do like <laughs> you know be yeah, they be have to manage the line like, themselves yeah yeah don't like, hey, hopefully they just you know, i don't know which one of you guys was next and this guy was like it was him and that dude bought one and then that other guy didn't get one so it was like oh damn, dude. yeah but uh it was cool there's a lot of people that came by like fuck if you had another one i would buy it for sure so i'm like all right cool i get home and finish up the rest that i have i got 10 to finish up like this week or you know over the next few days whatever i'm really close on all of them so and then the slingshots they just kind of slowly trickled out i sold maybe a dozen of those um, hey man that's good money on there i mean that's like the equivalent of a knife and a half or two knives and slingshots yeah. you know so yeah it was cool it was cool i mean i brought home a lot more than i was expecting but um at the same time like those have they've always done well over time so it, the nice thing is they're all done they're assembled and they're really ready to throw in a pack so that's a nice that item cool. to have stocked and ready to go for sure but yeah and then seeing your stuff too with the lottos dude it was so crazy I mean, multiple sheets on those. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, each one of those things had like three sheets. It was just weird. It was just, there was constantly somebody signing up, you know, for like yeah. four hours. It was just like a nonstop sign up. Um, yeah, there was. Which there I've, was... I've, I've, I've never had that kind of like lottery response before, you know, like I've had, mm -hmm. you know, I've had 50 entries or something like that, you know, but I've never had, you know, hundreds of, you know, 300 plus entries. So it was, yeah. and then the crowd that formed when, you know, when the lottery is being drawn, I didn't expect that at all either, which was like, oh, this is like an anticipated thing. Like people are wanting to know if they won, you know, and like, mm -hmm. I don't know why I didn't expect that, but it was definitely pretty special. Um, yeah, it was uh, good conversations. I was lucky to have uh, Logan there with me because he was kind of fielding a lot of questions too. You know, while I was having like a, you know, if I was having a more in-depth conversation with somebody, he was able to kind of stage the next guy and kind of like bullshit with them so they didn't get disinterested, you know, and then mm -hmm. I was able to kind of jump in and that just worked out really nice having a, a second person there. Even like when I was like, people would buy a knife or whatever. And then like, he's counting money while I'm like, you know, getting all the crap together for it and stuff is just mm -hmm. like, definitely will not be going to a show alone in the future, you know, just always got to have somebody by your side. But, um, yeah, I thought it ended well. Um, I fucked up and I had my lottery and lotteries end at the same time as my auction. So I was trying to like manage a, a kind of chaotic auction end with like having a crowd of people there, like clamoring for who won the lottos. And I was just like, oh, I really fucked this up. I should offset these by like a half an hour. Um, but yeah. And then to have Alex next to me um, and just watch his line, you know, he had probably like 50 or 60 people in his line or more, you know, 
that like mm. as soon as the show started, it, it took him like a couple of minutes to zero in on him, and then he had that line for an hour until he sold out. You know, yeah. Um, and he was kind of like one of the highlight highlight hangs of the show for me. You know, I didn't know what mm. to expect. You know, he's kind of fucking crazy, but then I realized like as we're hanging out that like. I'm kind of fucking crazy too. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the energy matched and uh, between getting dinner with him and his old man that night, or like, you know, heading over to that uh, arcade bar, um, you know, after we were done at the, uh, the closing party, you know, just kind of getting able to cut it up with those guys and just like bullshit was like, was definitely pretty special. Like I felt like while I reforged her, Oh, Sorry reinforced a lot of existing friendships he was kind of like the uh the coolest new person that i met um at that show so definitely leaving with an appreciation for him and also i mean you and i can both thank him again because he gave us each a knife which was you know a gesture beyond anything that i anticipated and i gotta be honest i've had it in my pocket for the last yeah. three days so. <laughs> i know mine's been <laughs> in know? my pocket this whole time yeah yeah, there you go. I have Same gym thing. shorts on, so I don't have mine with me right now, but it's sitting over there. But um, yeah, and it's it's a testament to the fact that like if you get good at making a prod product, like regardless of what it is or how it's made, if you get good at it and it's a solid item and you have it consistently available, like people will buy it. You know, it doesn't have to be like, you don't like he's been making knives for a while, but like he hasn't been making folders that long. And like he just, you know, for the last year and a half or however long it's been since he got the Speedio has just been on it and shared the process and started making stuff available and was consistent with his deadlines that he projected. And, you know, his customer service is good and he has a demand, you know, and, uh, it was just cool to uh to see that like you can there's a thousand ways to skin a cat you know what i mean like he yeah he's found his niche and people appreciate it and it's cool yeah he he's just a good honest dude it seems like and he's genuine and uh you know everything that he's been doing you know in his stories and he's just kind of no bullshit tells it like it is and builds a good honest product and and uh, he's very transparent about his process so and it's a cool fun knife it's a good size and and uh, it's just fun to play with too. I mean, most knives are, but um, yeah, but there are also some that are not fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like his is robust, you know, like I'm, I'm confident in it. In it. It's mm -hmm. uh behind the edge. Thickness is very, very thin. So it's like, it's functional. Um, and like it disappears in my pocket. So it checks all the boxes for a knife that like I would carry on a regular basis. You know, that definitely is my style. For sure. Yeah, it was fun. It was, his dad was awesome too. It was really cool hanging out with those guys. <clears throat> yeah, his dad was like a character, right? Like you never know. Like I, I kind of like, and this is probably to a detriment, but like when I'm around like an adult, like somebody's somebody's parent like that, it, it, that's choosing to enter into our world and then choosing to like hang with us. I don't really pull any punches as far as like what I say, how I say it. Just because I'm always like kind of curious as to like how a boomer will react to like my kind of crass or like brazen remarks or like sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And he just fucking rolled with it, man. Like he, he laughed totally at my cool. jokes, like yeah. totally like just busting chops and like having fun. And like, I don't know. I thought that was sweet. My buddy, when we, I had my, my buddy's bachelor party at camp about a month ago and his old man came up for two days and kind of like hung out with us and partied and stuff. 
And like he walked in or was a part of some conversations that like I feel like most like guys his age would just be like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with these guys, you know? And he just rolled with that shit. And so it was like two dudes in a row that like were just down for the hang, which was pretty rad. Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I definitely want to head up there and, and, and check out Alex's setup too. I mean, he's only like three hours from me. So I definitely want to prioritize getting over there and checking it out. Yeah, we should have him on sometime. Yeah, I think we were just talking about that. Like, I want to grab another microphone and um, be able to send it around and uh, start to include. Now that we're by the time that happens, we'll probably be ten episodes deep. But um, I was beginning to consider, like, if you think about the other knife podcasts that are out there and like where they're lacking, I think is like having on modern popular makers you know to mm-hmm. like to sp- to speak about you know and then when they do have somebody on it's always like a backstory like tell us how you got into knives like blah 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 and it's like i think i'd rather do the opposite right which is like mm-hmm. have people on that are relevant they don't really care how you got to where you are let's just talk about what's going on right now because honestly if you think about what like you're accustomed to in the knife world it's like you're presented what with what's going on in somebody's life right now. Very rarely are you scrolling back to like their intimate beginning. Like you're just thinking about and aware of like what they're doing right now. And so if we kind of just treat these people who are mostly our friends, you know, like just to let them jump into a conversation with like the show they went to last weekend or like what projects they're working on. Don't really need to spend the entire episode hearing their like history. It's like, no, just jump into this conversation with us, you know? Yeah, do a meet your maker post or something beforehand or whatever. I, I should probably yeah. do that at some point soon too. Yeah, myself, I mean, we'll, just something. I think we'll figure date, that. But. Yeah, I think we'll figure that out. Whether it be on Zodiac itself or whether that's like one of the weekly posts that we do when we start having guests on, which is like we we break the ice with like a meet your maker post about us, and then like the weekly thing is your two posts a week are first one is this is the person we're having on this week and here's their backstory and then an episode mm-hmm. post or whatever. But uh. Yeah, I just I look at like, you know, like Mark of the Maker has like traditionally has like prominent people in the industry that are like have a lot of history or made an impact or like are not people that like I would probably cut it up with on a day to day basis, you know, and then you get like um, like a lot of the podcasts that revolve around forging. They have people on, but they're like in that world, you know, and there's not really like if you think about like modern tactical folders there's not really a podcast that's just like having the big name dudes or like people that are our friends that like people are interested in on for like just a chill episode. So I think that like, mm-hmm. and that to me, I mean, I don't know, like with you, when you think about it, like what demographic really gets into that, like you're, you're now catering your podcast to like a, a niche group of people. Like maybe it's only 500 or a thousand like avid, like knife people that are then listening to these podcasts. But like, I think that you can really develop a rapport with like your core audience by like just trying to present them with content that like we would like ourselves. So I think it's a cool way to go. Yeah. I think I'd rather do that anyways than try and make something super generic that just going to reach a lot more people. Um, I'd rather have, you know, quality over quantity kind of thing for that. So sure. We have, it's I think more... we got a pretty good core group of people that are following anyways that are interested in what we do and, like that conversation that we had with Alex at the arcade after we were done before they shut down. Uh, we were literally just sitting at that table for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, just literally talking about like buying titanium and buying cutting tools and tool life and, you know, weighing 
do I want to buy cheap titanium and have it water jet? Or do I want to buy expensive titanium that comes saw cut in the size that I need and it's just ready to go kind of thing, you know? And, yep. you know, calculating costs per, you know, per pound and all that. And, um, Alex has done a lot of stuff really diving into that because he's doing more quantities than us. Um, yep. and I think that's a good quantity where he's at. Um, I don't personally know if I want to be making more than that a month or, or even as many as he is just with how much detail and stuff I have in mind. But, um, I, I think his is kind of like at the barrier of where, you know, production numbers or whatever kind of start coming into play. Uh, he, he's way more relatable, I think, to what we're doing than, you know, most big knife companies. Or most guys that are doing that type of quantity, you know, like even Oz, like, yeah, but he's got employees, you know, so it's a whole different, it's, that's a whole different tier, I think, than, than what we are. He's still one dude in literally a 700 square foot shop doing literally everything by himself. Uh, and I think that's where most guys are just like us or, you know, Hazy or any of these other guys that are just one guy in the shop doing shit by themselves, whether they're making parts for other people or doing their own stuff. It's very relatable. Yeah, I agree with that. It's something, you know, to aspire to when I think about like Alex and I'm like, I'm one guy working every day. He's one guy working every day. How the hell is he making so many more knives than me? You know what I mean? And then, I mean, the obvious answer is because Speedio, but, um, you know, it's, you know, it's just, he's got a process dialed and like, it's kind of, it's motivating to me to continue to invest my time into just my own work because, I kind of am like at the point now where with the Mac stuff, that's fine, but I'm like interested to see how far I can push my own brand. You know, like at what point does like, do I start to have quality control issues so that I can like dial back? I'm like really ready to like hit that back wall of like what I can do and then dial back from there rather than always constantly like creeping forward. It's like, no, I want to kick it into high gear and then I want to have to slam on the brakes. You know, I just want to go fast. I just want to go fast, you know, and I want to see like, you know, what that looks like in my brand. So that's kind of the direction that I'm building too. But guys like him have kind of paved the way with regard to um, like managing. I think his biggest thing, if I look at like what everybody's doing is he opens a pre-order and he meets the deadline. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, this is a four week pre-order for 50 knives and he gets a thousand entries into the lottery or the people that are in. And then four weeks later, like they're done. You know what I mean? And it's like, that that like kind of delivery is like uncommon in knives right now. It seems like everybody's always behind or people are not good at like extrapolating out like a time frame. And there's always like, a, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm behind. Sorry. This like, I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. And so it's like refreshing to see somebody that's just like, I'm going to operate within my capacity and I'm going to do whatever it takes to like meet my objective. And then I'm going to do it again the next month and the next month and the next month. Every month. Yeah. Two years now. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just like consistent drops, you know? So like, you know, uh, this is, yeah. Yeah. Yoni is a great Same example. You know, obviously a little bit less complicated because of, you know, not having to assemble components with, that have critical, you know, that are critical to one another. But at the same time, he, at the end of the day, he's still making blades, scales, sheets. Like he's still making a component assembly that are finally finished, outsourced processes for whether it's like lasering or seracoding or whatever. Like he's still like uniquely finishing hundreds of individual products a month, you know with extreme consistency, you know, he's also somebody that I would love to have on, you know, to to shoot the shit with and just kind of like get his take on where his life is at as a guy that's Mm -hmm. kind of prided himself in being a one band shop for a really long time. Yeah. I think even before we knew him, I mean, he was already making, that's why we met him obviously when he was living in San Jose, 
making knives. So, yeah, I good, mean, he motivated really me dude. to get into knives. Oh, yeah. You know, like that was, I actually like was so into his stuff. Like my first fixed blade, I had to modify it because like it found myself having design elements of like compliance edge knives. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. can't do that. Can't do that. Not meaning to. I just was like enamored with what he was doing and his shapes just really spoke to me. And, um, yeah, I just have always found him to be, I mean, his work has always been like the epitome of like clean, you know what I mean? It's just always like right there, right where it needs to be all every detail consistently handled. And like his product is super consistent. Even when he was hand making every knife, you know, he had like a production Mm -hmm. knife level of continuity between his products that like, you don't see in a lot of handmade items. Yeah. That's like on my, my scout V3, the back of it is it's rounded in the back in the, like kind of the heel of the, uh, of the handle area. And I remember talking to him years ago when the scout had a little pry bar on the back. It was just like just a tiny little one on there. And uh, we were talking about some of his fixed blades and mine and everything. And we were going back and forth about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, that there's dudes that literally have to push on that because they're in combat and they're pushing on that blade, trying to stab somebody with it. And, you know, you don't want a pry bar on the end of it because that's going to go into your right. hand. And he's like, I've had stories of guys in the military that are literally had to use that smooth end to just push it through someone's skull. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Jeez, that's brutal. That's so gnarly, dude. And, uh, but yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why the V3 Scout has that kind of round, smooth handle on the end of it. Not that I hope anybody's going to be doing that with my knives, but. Hey, man. You I took that design that element to, from him, you know? fucking themselves up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's been a big inspiration for me for a long time. So, it's cool. Yeah, it was a rad show. A lot of cool people. And like I posted, you know, came back with a couple cool items. I got uh, some stuff from my wife from Archie. And uh, his oh, stuff's nice. awesome, Did you, dude. What'd you get? Um, the little grasshopper. So, you know, the tiny little titanium pipe. I, I, I don't smoke. I never, I'll never use it. But um, I know my wife will appreciate it, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I, didn't, I didn't, honestly, I didn't make it over to his table. I wanted to go check out his and John's uh, stuff. And I just, I was pinned down. You know, and yeah. I, it's a bummer, you know, that I couldn't get away for like, I should have spent more time at the beginning walking around. I, I did a little bit, but I just went right to the guys that like I was excited to see that were my friends. Yeah. And I didn't really get around to the guys that I didn't know to check out their tables and their products and stuff. Um, regretfully, regrettably. Um, but hopefully we can change that. Um, yeah, I just, I hit up uh Sako yesterday and committed to doing a uh, CCKS. So um, yeah, he asked me for my logo and stuff and his sister's going to hit me up about, you know, the logistics of the show. Um, so yeah, I was going to like, wait and see how deer season went, but I guess I'm going to make this happen. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it feels like you just got to build off of some success. And like, honestly, I was thinking about it. That show is in a little bit under two months. And, um, if I kind of start poking at the parts now. You know, just while I have time to like get frames blanked out or to like get steel in for uh, blades and stuff like that. If I just kind of start to handle some of the front end stuff where I have time, by the time I get into crunch mode at the end of next month, like I'll at least be just finishing knives, I hope. Like I should have everything laid out that I need and I should just be able to be doing my finishing process, which would make it a bit easier. But um, nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be uh, mid November. Good times, I hope. There was an 11th and the 12th, I think. Saturday, yeah, Sunday. I mean, honestly, because I'm, I'm going to the uh, gonna be to the Charger game. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't. The I think the Friday the Friday night Blade Affairs on the 10th, and then 
mm-hmm. the show is the 11th and the 12th. But like I said, I'm my brother's fr- flying in from North Carolina and we're going to go to the Charger game on Sunday. So in all likelihood, I'll find myself just being at the show on Saturday. I'll just sell all my stuff on Saturday and be done. Nice. Um, yeah, I just want to get the full Monty uh, with regard to being out there. So, yeah, that'll be exciting. I'm already trying to think about what I want to do. I think I'm going to do more. Those fat carbon knives are just so well received. Um, I think I'm actually going to do the whole lineup in fat fat carbon for the next show. Just um, a different style that that they haven't uh, that I haven't used yet. It's called dark matter, and they just have like six or seven colors of it. it's like infused with like black marble carbon fiber with some like different color in it just so to have continuity i'll just do like six or seven different knives with the different flavors there um and then obviously one fancy one for auction but um yeah i'm looking forward to prepping for that now i think that that'll be a nice way to close out the year for sure yeah and it's a good little break i mean you got most of your stuff Mm -hmm. done in just a few weeks anyways Mm -hmm. for this past show seemed like anyways yeah i think i was Um, i was done like 10 days you know it was pretty quick yeah um, yeah, so and that was kind of like what last month was, was like a, a test of process, right? Like in July, I did all the manufacturing engineering st- uh, stuff for the 3.2 subliner, which was designing the new components, designing the fixturing, manufacturing the fixturing, proving out all of the new uh, cutting sequences and proving out the design and while still doing production. So going into the pre- preparation for the maker syndicate, I was like, okay, I have all this stuff done. Like now let me see just what it looks like prepping for another show. And yeah, it took me like 30 days to do all of that for the Portland show. And it took me like nine and a half or 10 days to do just the work on more knives for the maker syndicate. So it seems like we're finding uh, some footing with regard to like the production strategy of that design. And I'm interested to see if I can push the envelope even a little bit more now um on the uh hold on a second got somebody trying to come into the shop it's my brother came in from north carolina last night and um he's probably coming in to say what's up to me but yeah. i'm smart and i locked the door so I hear him hang knocking. on one second i'll, I'll let i'll let you t- no, take over I'll just, i mean we could just pause too i can cut this out see if i do i probably won't my neighbor just walked by too. I was kind of waving at him. He came, came to hang out for a little while and saw the headphones on. So I think he kept going. All right. So I'm good now. Cool. I don't know if I'll cut it out. I've been like pretty pretty relaxed about like i'm before we did it i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna edit out all the silence i'm gonna cut shit in and out and i'm like fuck it i'm just posting whatever we make i really don't think anybody's gonna care about 28 seconds of me walking over to that door <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's it's really not that big of a deal i know but, i was uh, kind of saying my yeah. buddy dave walked by too my neighbor he walked by and kind of waved and kept going yeah i could see so. i could see your eyes dart over to him and like kind of yeah i was like hey dude yeah you know, saw the headphones so nice he's cool he was over here yeah most... so we're we're oh sorry that's uh, your guy uh, that like your kids go to school together and he followed you forever and like you yeah. didn't know that you guys were yeah okay yeah he's always walking the neighborhood man he puts probably I, i'm wondering i'm curious who puts on more miles is him or joe man him or joe. joe dude so on that monday before we left we did like twenty-two thousand steps i think joe hit 25 because in our before we boarded our first flight um 
in Atlanta, Joe just started doing laps. He was just walking the airport. He's like, I'm going to get my steps in. Even when we were in the, in the uh, parking garage and you were sharpening my knives, which again, dude, thank you so much for doing that. That was like the biggest relief. <laughs> just, you know, pulling my no part problem. and my wife calling and talking shit to us and, um, you know, playing with the knives a little bit in the hotel room and then sharpening before the show. Like that was a total tailgate party literally right before we walked into the show is legitimately a tailgate party before the show. No, that was easy. Was, and honestly, sharpening is such a shitty thing. If you don't, I take it for granted cause I've had a good setups to do it for a long time. Yeah. But I think back to when I was like sharpening my knives with like a Lansky, you know what it, I mean? Dude. And like, yeah. and it's like, it takes or a wicked edge. Even it's like, it's, it works well. It just takes forever. Yeah. It's way better to like maintain an edge with those products than it is to put one on. Totally. You know? I, yeah. So I roughed them on the belt on the two by 72, which I think helped a little bit. I mean, not so much for yours because it's a belt system anyways, but, um, I'm, I'm very comfortable on a belt. I think even like doing primaries and stuff, I don't, I wouldn't have any issue with it. If I ever did have any problems, like really milling stuff consistently, um, I could always kiss them on the belt if I need to, but, um, yeah, doing them with the wicked edge just takes a long time, but I love it because it's so consistent. I can get just the nicest, perfect, crisp, clean, like consistent edge height all the way across my blades. Um, I really like the w uh, wicked edge stuff, but yeah, I need to get a belt set up, a nice little tiny sharpener with a guide and stuff like you do, because that was awesome. And they look awesome too. They look really good. I mean, you just did a great job on them. So that was nice. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah happy to help because like that's a daunting thing, especially when we're, I mean, we literally did it. 20 minutes before we walked in the show, you know, it was that didn't work out did, or yeah. like if something like malfunctioned <laughs> or like my truck inverter stopped working, like you would have to dust off the wicked edge, like on your table before the show, like trying to get yeah. an edge on these things to these guys. But, uh, Shit. no, that, that worked out pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm trying to get fired back up right now. I can't lie, man. I am. I don't know if it's like, I think there's two things, right? Like, one, the pre-show heavy amount of work is catching up to me, you know, like I'm kind of like trying to kick the jets back on, you mm -hmm. know, after going so hard for like two or three weeks. Um, another thing for me was like, I've been messing with, like I've been going through this hormone stuff, you know, I started testosterone replacement therapy in January. And like right now I've been off of my cycle entirely for like two and a half weeks because I switched doctors and we're switching esters. And so like, yeah. I essentially am like have zero testosterone in my blood right now, you know, like, and I didn't really like understand like what that like curve was going to feel like, but like when mm. you fully like detox off of like exogenous testosterone and like, you're just flat zero, like it's, it's exhausting. So I was saying that to my wife earlier. I was like, I think like, thankfully my new cycle comes in the mail today and um, I'm getting all my blood test results back from the doctor today, hopefully, but I can, so I can start the new protocol, but like, it definitely makes me realize that like now I am a chemically enhanced human. And without that, I am kind of like, you know, yeah, fuck. I was tired this morning. I need to get blood work done too. I, I mean, I'm getting old. I'm 38, but not that old, but I'm not as active as I used to be riding BMX every day. And, but yeah, I need to get sure. some stuff, go to the doctor. I haven't been in forever. Um, I think it would just be good to know where I'm at and get whatever I'm missing, but getting back into I mean, shape that's where would be I nice. Was in like, in January, I was that way. I hadn't been to the doctor in 20 years. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. just like, Hey, we're in our mid midlife right now. It's time to like get a checkup and like you get some blood work done and you start looking into it and you're like, man, I'm pretty deficient in a lot of places. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's never too late to kind of like take control of like what you got going on. And, um, 
And I think that like, if you're in a place where you feel like going to your PCP and just getting a broad spectrum amount of blood work done, just to kind of like gauge everything I think is a uh, probably a smart thing, dude. For sure. Yeah. I need to do that. Yeah. It was motivating hanging out with Joe just straight for three days. Um, he's on a mission right now, dude. I mean, he's lost a lot yeah. of weight and he's getting big. He's going to the gym every day and lifting heavy and like doing it up proper. And, uh, Oh yeah. Like I was saying like at the airport, you know, we, we did like 22,000 steps. I think it was about a little over 10 miles for me. And, uh, Damn. I'm feeling it today. I didn't feel it at all yesterday. Like I felt great yesterday. So all day, like I was out here most of the day. I only ended up running one slide yesterday. I didn't do any like, really much knife stuff at all. Uh, mm-hmm. cleaned out the garage a lot more. Like trash man came yesterday. So I got nice, I got three empty trash cans. Like I'm going to probably fill up today with just old shit and, I found out where that possum was sleeping because I got that possum in here for four days a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, you located his nest. I found his nest, and it was in a bucket that I had, like, all my old pet stuff in. It's like my, my dog that passed away, uh, Helios. Like, his jacket was in there, and there's like, a cat bed and a couple things, and it was up on the racks in the back. And uh, Bernie's like, what's in there? And I pulled it down, and there was fucking possum prints all in there. I know it was just sleeping in that thing for sure. It was a nice, cozy little spot. So I threw it out in the alley, and... It, it, Every time I check, there's something gone from it. So somebody's been grabbing stuff as they walk through the alley or drive. So that's weird. Yeah, it was wild. But yeah, I'm glad that thing got out. It just strolled out that one night. I had a cage in here with cat food and everything, and it pulled the bowl of cat food under the under the latch release. So it was just in there. It just kept eating. I'm like, fuck it. I'm gonna let this thing eat. It's been stuck in here for four days. It's hit nothing but the walls. They ain't, they ain't so, stupid, dude. That's no. for sure. Those grinners, man. They yeah. They know what's up. They're scavengers to the core. Yeah. Actually, I think it's pretty important. They eat ticks. They eat like here anyways, like they're immune to Lyme disease and they eat deer ticks. So like, nice. they're like actually pretty important here. Cause like Lyme disease is like a really big deal in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Like, like a shitload of people get it every year from like the insane like deer tick population that we have. Like if you walk through the woods, like you have to be checking yourself like, cause yeah. there are ticks everywhere. That's and, wild. uh, so yeah, we, we love our grinners in this part of this country. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. I mean, it was kind of cool aside from it shitting in the in the garage and just tearing up the walls. But uh, it, my buddy PJ was sending me all kinds of little possum mascot stuff. He's like, with my logo nice. with the possum on it and everything. And he's like, dude, yeah. yeah that's how I'm you like, know he's got too much time on his hands when he's uh, superimposing your logo on a fucking possum and yeah. fucking with you with it. <laughs> I know. He should have been dropping his brushes. I know he's listening to this. I've been giving him a really hard time about it. Uh, and he, he designed these little replaceable head brushes just for the shop. I mean, everybody that has a shop or a saw or an engine lathe or whatever, you know, you got a nice little brush. So. Those are dope. I They're use little so paint cool. brushes, like, like cheap one, top $1 paint brushes. And I'd love to replace them with like a nice product. It's cool. And so I've been bugging him every day. He's I, so he made these on his Tormach. He made one or he made a handful of them. And then I ended up making like 50 of them for him, um, on the Haas. It was one of the first jobs I did when I got the Haas, um, so yeah, they're machined aluminum, and then these are all gray, like natural type three hard anno. And then he made the little brass knobs. Um, but yeah, you loosen up the screw, and then the brush head, the brush head just slides out. Dude. So you can get this on a long strip, or you can get two inch sections or whatever from McMaster. So he's got the brush, and then it literally just slides in. And it was where's the camera here? So two ops. Nice just, little T-slot. Yeah, so he designed it where you can just machine all of it with an eighth-inch end mill from one side, and then the flip, machine the other side from the eighth-inch. And with how it's all, oh. with how it all overlaps, you got that little, 
It locks slot it in, in there. Gives yeah. you give the illusion of a full T slot, but you can do it without having to stand the thing up. Yeah, and it grabs you know it grabs the the rib on the brush, and uh, it just slides in, and then you just loosen up the screw, or, you know, back it out, and it tightens up with the little. It's awesome. So, anyways, yeah, he's got time to uh, put my logo on a possum, but not open up his Shopify. So I know he's listening to this, and I've been bugging him every day about it. And um, how much are they going to be? Do you know? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, but they they should be. Well, pretty I'd like to get so. like I'd like to get like three of them before he sells out. Yeah, I got to send him a DM or something. Bug him about it. Yeah, he's got to release these because he's he's actually the one that did some of the original design on the slingshots and the scout fix blade. So he's been around for a long time. Damn, great design sense. Uh, one of my best friends. So probably my best friend. Yeah, I'm and, shooting uh, him a damn text for he's sure. A, he's a really good dude, um, and he lives close by too. Let which me promote. Awesome, so perfect. I mean, yeah. like, let me promote your. Uh, you know, let me get three of those things. And let me help you promote it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's push these things out and get it fired up. Yeah, Abyss tool on Instagram. So Abyss tool is that Abyss, what it is? A B Y S S. I tag him all I don't the time. Think yeah, I he did the late. He did the laser work too on the uh, on the slingshot bands for the leather. Um. So. Oh yeah, those those turned out really nice. Mm. Oh, I see. I follow him, but he doesn't have any posts. Nice. Yeah, Abyss tools with an S, no space. Everybody follow yep, that guy. I got him. He's a good dude. So, well, cool, well, cool dude. Man. It's been an hour, yeah. my brother. Yeah. I do want to go get with him, and we're gonna, I guess, gonna go grab some lunch before I get started. Um, yeah, I, I got a customer. Yeah, I got a customer. Sorry, I've been paying attention this whole time, but I got a customer that's coming right now to pick up that slide I did yesterday. So he's probably we're waiting. On distracted, my porch. man. Like, we're, yeah. not, we're not blocked. We're not. We're not blocking our time off real well here. But no, no. it's all good. Awesome show. Cool dude. Cool yeah. to see your coming out party. Glad that Joe was able to make it. Glad everybody killed it. Really hope that they continue to do the show in the future because I will for sure be there. Um, yeah, same. I'm going to try and yeah. make it too. He's definitely doing it next year, it sounds like. I'm like, you got to do this yeah, again. This was an awesome like show. He was, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. It seems like he was unsure, but then like with the feedback that he got from everybody, it's like, no, nah, I just got to do it. He has to, yeah. So Cool, man. Well, cool, man. Kill the week, and uh, sure. I'll plan on catching up with you. Hopefully, we can both get our fires relit uh today and tomorrow mm -hmm. and we get back to making some shit because uh the world's not waiting but i hope you kill it and yeah. i look forward to catching up with you next week sounds good dude all right man peace out later